Today, we have Amy Siwi joining us today. Just a little bit about Amy. She's a professional python hunter who removes invasive Burmese pythons from South Florida. She is one of only 100 python hunters around the world, only 15 of whom are women. She has caught over two, 250 pythons, won a second place in the Python Bowl, and has been featured on the news, podcasts, and magazine articles. Thank you so much, Amy, for joining us today for our podcast, and you can take it from here. Okay, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here today. So yeah, um, we, that was a great introduction. And that's, that's what I do. I'm a professional Python hunter. Um, I was hired in July of 2019. And so it's been a little over two years now that I've been doing it. And like you said, I'm one out of only 100 contracted Python hunters and then one out of 15 women. So it's been, it's, it's, it's a really cool job. It's obviously very unique because not many people <laughs> can even be a Python hunter, but um, really fast. Let me just give you kind of a brief background on the pythons because, you know, people say, why are you hunting the pythons? And I love snakes. So I really don't like killing them, but we have to because they are an invasive species here in Florida. And they were brought over two, two ways, actually. The pet trade that started back in the 70s. And these cute little Burmese python hatchlings grow to be 20 feet long. And by the time they would get to be, you know, like 10 feet, 12 feet, they're too much to handle. And so people would let them go. A lot of people did that. We also had Hurricane Andrew come through in 1992. And it blew away a, um, a breeding facility. And so it sent thousands of Burmese pythons into the Everglades. So 20 years later, here we are. Well, more than that, I guess it's, if it started in the seventies, I mean, it's been kind of building this whole time. So, so that's why they're here. And the reason we need to get rid of them is because they are the apex predator here in Florida. Um, they, they have no predators. They eat everything. They have voracious appetite. So squirrels, raccoons, possums, bobcats, deer. I mean, we had one 16 footer and that's not even the big, big one. She had a doe and two fawns in her at the same time. I mean, I can't even imagine the horror of watching that whole thing go down. So um, anyway, so they are incredibly destructive. And one of the reasons that it's so bad and they're eating so many of the mammals. 98% of the mammals are gone in some parts of the Everglades because of this. And they don't, the, the animals here, the native animals don't realize that the Python is a predator or is a threat because it's not from here. So like with the wading birds, if a Python comes along the bank, the wading birds like, mm, whatever, gulp, you know? So it's, it's a huge problem and these guys, there's an estimated between 100,000 and 300,000 out there. Um, they reproduce at a very fast rate. So the average python will lay between 20 and 40 eggs a year, but then the big ones over 15 feet can easily lay 100 eggs per year. So it's this problem that is, it's out of our control. I mean, we're doing our best to, to do something about it but we've only just scratched the surface because I think since, since these programs have started, we've four, four years ago, they actually started. We have uh, gotten 
10,000 and there's, even if there's 50,000 out there and they're reproducing this fast, I mean, it's just, you know, it can get a little, um, not really sure how to say it, but you have to look at it as a day-to-day -day thing because when the, it takes a Python, um, three years to get to be 10 feet long and it takes 200 mammals and birds to get it there. So every single Python that we're taking out of the Everglades is literally saving hundreds of our native animals' lives. So instead of looking at it from the giant scope, when you look at it from that point of view, it makes it really, really worth everything that we're doing. So, um, so there's that. Um, I'm looking at my notes here really fast. So I'm guessing you're probably wondering how I got into this. <laughs> so um, I have been, had this crazy fascination with snakes ever since I was little. My dad took me to a creek and I, he taught me how to, you know, catch fish and crawdads and frogs and snakes. And some, this fascination with snakes went to a whole new level. And so for my whole life, i done, I've always done something with snakes. So I was a breeder. I did educational programs for kids, ironically, because I, I actually bred the small corn snakes and rat snakes because I didn't believe in selling the Burmese pythons yet. Here we are. Um, and I did worked in the exotic vet industry, exotic pet Toledo zoo. So I had done a lot of this, you know, throughout my life, but it was, it was always, it was more a hobby and the jobs that I had were not really like career jobs. You know, they were just kind of hobby jobs. And so I've been a real estate broker for the last 13 years. You know, I mean, I graduated from college. I graduated from university of Toledo, um, you know, and got real job and, and I was a real estate broker. And I learned that there was a problem with the pythons in the Everglades. And so I decided to take a vacation for three weeks to come down to Florida to see what it was all about. And so I went on a hunt with one of my now good friends, Donna Khalil, and we caught a python and I was hooked. I was, I was like, I'm going to figure this out. I, I wasn't even looking to change career paths. I loved real estate. I was good at it. I was successful. You know, it, there was no reason for me to even do anything different, except when this opportunity came up, I just kind of knew that this is what I needed to do. And so in less than two months after we got back from vacation, I moved down here and my fiance, Dave, he, he couldn't quite get down with me as soon as, as that. But for some reason, my gut was just saying, I got to go, I got to go now. I need to get this figured out. And so I rented a, a room from a guy in Miami and halfway down here, he called me and said, Oh, the room that you're going to rent is actually the guy's going to end up staying. I was like, uh, you know, that I have everything in my car right now and I'm four hours from you. And so he said, okay, well, I have another room if you want it, but you're going to have to share a bathroom with my dad. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> but it worked out fine. I stayed there for um, a few months. Awesome people. It worked out fabulously, but then I, you know, ended up buying a condo, so it's all good, but I just gave up everything, you know, friends, family, career all of it to just move down here with no job, no friends. I knew Donna, um, the government was shut down, so I couldn't even find out about the programs. So it, on paper, it made no sense at all, but it just felt right for what, I mean, I just knew that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So 
So I did it and I figured it out. So here we are. <laughs> okay, so let me, I think, so the biggest thing about me with this, well, not the biggest, but a lot of people don't think that I look like a Python hunter. You know, I, I don't know what they're supposed to look like, but apparently it is not like this. And so, um, you know, they just kind of say, so why, what, why do you do this? And of course, for me, it's fun. It's amazing. I love being out there. And now I can finally take this hobby that I've had and, and make it useful because I'm not afraid of snakes. I know everything about them. So it makes it, you know, it makes it easier for me to find them. And, uh, but people say, you know, this is, this is a guy's job. Why are you doing a guy's job? And I don't really agree with that. I think that it's a job. It needs to be done. And there aren't many people that want to do it, first of all, or that can do it. And I think that anyone that's willing to do it, I think it's great. And I don't like categorizing, you know, the, the men and women, like this is just for the men. This is just for the women. The thing that I did have to learn is, you know, I can't overpower a 17 foot Python. You know, I'm five, 420 pounds, not going to happen. So I had to, and actually not many men can do it by themselves either. So I had to figure out how to be smarter than the Python. And I go out hunting alone a lot just because sometimes, you know, it's last minute, it's easy. And I knew I was going to come across a big one. And so I had to get a game plan together as far as how, what am I going to do when this happens? So in the vet and pet industry, if we ever needed to calm down an animal, we would put like a dark cloth over its eyes and that would calm it down. So I said, hmm, I wonder if I can do that with a python. So I was just kind of walking around my condo and I found this Invisalign drawstring black bag that I had hanging there. And I said, hmm, you know, I wonder if I, if this would work. So I had a couple 12 and 13 footers that I practiced with. So I would actually, I know that this probably won't make it to the podcast because it's, but for you guys that can see this. So the way I do this, so if this is the snake, this is Bob, I'll put my hand in the bag, grab it behind the neck and then pull the bag over the snake's head and then pull the drawstring. Okay. So it can't see, it can't, whatever this bag is made of, it can't sense anything and it totally disorients it. And it takes the bite factor out so then I can take my time and do whatever I need to do to get it. So, so I got it down. I'm like, awesome. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be ready. So sure enough, I was driving by myself and I saw a snake a Python and, um, it was actually right before a hurricane. So there wasn't even anybody on the roads that could even help me. So I, uh, <laughs> And I know people at home can't see. So this is the skull of a 17 footer. So this is a huge skull. And this is what a normal snake that we usually catch looks like. This is the average size. So you can see when I'm used to going for this and then I come across this, it was incredibly intimidating. And I'm walking up to it with this. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? I can't believe I'm gonna do this right now. And, but I couldn't hesitate. And so I did, I just jumped on her and I, what I didn't realize was her head was so big, I couldn't flip it over. So I had to literally like pull it on her. So I'm sitting on top of her 
holding her down so she can't back up into the swamp and trying to keep her so she can't open her mouth so I can get this bag on her. So I get it on her and she just stopped. She just stopped moving. It's like, she just like fell asleep or something. So there I am. I'm sitting kind of in a ditch on top of this python that I can't even tell how big she is because I can't even see her all. And it's at like 12.45 in the morning. And I'm like, how, and this 110 pound snake, 17, 310 pounds. So I was like, how am I going to get this thing out of here? And so randomly a couple of other hunters were driving by and I, I yelled, I was like, Hey, and they backed up and they said, Oh my, what are you doing? I said, I'm sitting on a Python. Come help me. They're like what? And so I, so they came down and they said, Oh my gosh. It, I mean, it was just such a big snake. So they helped me pull her out, you know, and get her all loaded up into the truck, which I could have done by myself. It was just very nice to have help. <laughs> so that is the story of my 17 footer. And that, you know, you do have to be smarter and we have to be careful too. I mean, these are big snakes. They have big teeth. They're not venomous, but they're strong. And actually later on today, I'm going to be posting a video from, um, a catch. It was a 14 footer. That was 105 pounds. It was the fattest snake ever. And there were four of us. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty crazy. But, um, the other thing that I do is I tape their mouths. If I've got somebody with me, if there's two of us hunting, I, I'll tape their mouth. And nobody really does that because I mean, it's not macho or whatever, you know, when you've got it taped, but here's the thing, these big snakes, if they get away from you, they get away. I mean, they can bite you. I've been bitten. The 14 footer bit me. And if you look on my social media, I mean, I had the outline of the teeth in me forever. Um, I mean, it, it doesn't feel good. So if I, so what happens now, I'll jump on the snake and then the other person will tape its mouth. So then we can safely get it out of wherever it is, get it loaded up. And then once we get it back, I can actually undo the tape and redo it. So it, you know, can breathe and everything like that. So, so you just have to be smarter. You know, if, if I don't, if I'm not, you know, 300 pounds, I have to figure out how to be smarter than the snakes. So, um, let's see, I will tell you this really quick story. This happened the other day. Oh my gosh. So, you know, we're, most people don't like snakes. I mean, the majority of people don't like snakes. And so I was hunting by myself and I was on 41. So 41 is like a two lane highway and it was at night. It was at maybe 11. So there was traffic, but not a ton of traffic. So I'm going down in my truck and I see this snake kind of sticking her head up and it was sort of close to the road. And I looked in my rear view and ahead of me and I saw headlights, but they were pretty far away. So I said, okay, I'm just going to run out real quick. It was probably like a nine or 10 footer. I'm just going to grab it, jump in the truck and then pull the truck off to the side of the road. So I just left the truck in the middle of the road. I got to her. I was like, oh boy, she was not nine or 10 feet. She was 15. And I saw her head and I was like, oh, shoot, what do I do? You know, I mean, I, I, I was ready for it, but so I grab her, I'm pulling her out. She's stuck on something in the swamp. I'm like pulling the snake out. And when you hold their heads up above, cause I didn't have the head back. I did not know she was going to be this big. And when you hold their heads up, um, their heart is about a third of the way down their body and their heart. Well, and they're, they're meant to have the blood flow 
horizontally, right? Not vertically. So when you hold them up, the blood kind of goes to the bottom and they lose some energy. So I'm trying to hold her up. So that happens. And then I'll put her down and try to get her in the bag, but then she not cooperate. So I have to hold her up again. So this semi is coming. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's going to totally run into me. And it stopped. It came to a complete stop. I could see the guy. He was waiting for another truck to go by. And I said, hey, come help me. Because I just wanted him to hold the bag for me or something. He just went right around. I was like, dude, come on. (laughs) So it was, um, yeah, I got her. It was fine. I didn't need him anyways. But I just thought it was kind of funny that a truck driver was not going to get out and help me with this python. So I think, um, and I've got, I could tell you stories all night long if, if you would let me, but we won't do that. But, um, so here's the thing, cause I know it's really important. You know, you guys are in high school and you're getting ready to figure out the rest of your lives. And if somebody would have told my 12 year old self, Hey, you're going to grow up and you're going to be a Python hunter. I'd be like, Yes. That is exactly what I would love to do. Like, that's super cool, right? But the thing is, when I was in high school, graduating high school and college, that wasn't a thing. We didn't have the Python problem then. It was starting, we didn't know it, but it wasn't a thing. So it's not like I could have even done anything about it. Um, And, you know, I had professional jobs and I ran a business and I had to go through all of these different experiences to really get me ready for this, which is why I knew in my heart I, I was ready to do it. Because here's why. As a Python hunter, I don't get paid very much. It's like minimum wage. And then we get a small commission for the, for the Python, but it's nothing like selling houses for sure. Um, so that's why I do the skinning and the tanning and I make products, you know, like the Apple watch bands and the, and the regular leather bands, because I have to supplement the income. But if I didn't have the experience of all of these other jobs and mainly Keller Williams, actually, that was the real estate company that I worked for. Um, they taught us how to run a business. I mean, from A to Z, it was an amazing thing, but if I didn't have that, there's no way that I would, I would have come down here to do the Python hunting, but I couldn't, that couldn't sustain me because it just doesn't make enough money. So I probably would have had to find a real job and blah, blah, blah. But instead I have my own business now and I can run that, but I would not have been ready even 10 years ago. I wouldn't have been ready for it. So it's like everything kind of lined up the way it was supposed to. And I saw an opportunity. And even though it looked ridiculous on paper, I just, I knew I'm like, I I can figure this out and I can get this done. And And I have. So, so that's, that's the biggest thing. You know, people say, do what you love because then you don't work a day in your life. And it's true, but you can love a lot of different things. I loved real estate. I, I loved it. I'm, I loved when I was an ops manager. You know, I learned so much about management and that I'm, you know, that's actually what my strength is, is in corporate management. And um, so, so and your, your things will change, you know, as you get older and as you experience things, your passions will change. Some things that you loved, you know, now that you love now, you're not really going to care about in 10 years, but some things like for me with snakes, it never wore off. (laughs) So, um, so I think that's, that's the big thing is that it's not, even if you don't know exactly what you want to do now, 
or even when you graduate from college or even after that, you know, just keep moving, just do things because you're going to figure it out. You're going to figure out what you're good at, what you'd like to do. And then you're going to be able to take that and run with it. So, so that's about the time allotted. I think that I have. So do you guys want to ask me any questions? <laughs> yes. So we are going to go into questions for about um, like 25 or so minutes. So we'll, we'll just go around. We, I know we all have questions. We've also have some that were pre-written down from uh, members of our ambassadors. So yeah, I think I'll ask first one. We can kind of just go around. I think my first one is just kind of, um, maybe if you want to talk about what it was like to start your business and like kind of what inspired you to do that. Sure, my business down here. Um, well, what inspired me was that I didn't make enough money um, you know, catching the pythons. And I just started thinking, you know, how can I supplement this income? Because when we hunt in the summer, it's a night schedule. So I go out at 10 and I get back at four in the morning. So I couldn't have a real job anyway. And so, um, I just had to think, what can I do that still is related to pythons that'll allow me to do it and the skinning. So basically I just started calling around and saying, Hey, do you use Python skins for any of your leather work? Hey, is this something just to see if it'd even be worth my while? And then I met um, this woman in Sarasota at B Swanky who uses the Florida Python in her line. And she said, yes, I need somebody. I need somebody. So I said, oh, awesome. I'll go ahead and, and do this. It was not that easy. And I went through a lot to figure it out. So I skin all these snakes now. I mean, I have them professionally tanned. I had to I sell them to her, but then I also had to learn how to make the products, how to, and I don't make them personally, but I had to find a manufacturer. So there was a lot that was involved. Um, and a lot of times it kind of seemed like, oh my gosh, like one thing after another, it's just like one obstacle that I have to overcome and figure out. And, you know, but it's, um, it was definitely worth it. And I was able to get that figured out because of the experience that I had at Keller Williams. And because I did have a team, they, they showed me how to really everything from scheduling my time to um, interviewing properly, which actually translates over to this and all kinds of things. So it was, I'm very lucky that I had all the experience to get me to this place. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, so I was wondering, you said, you know, you just knew when you took your vacation that you had to go be a python hunter, but what would you say to other people who maybe have a similar feeling that they're not sure if they're ready to make that leap or they don't know how? That's a great question. Trust yourself. If you trust yourself, you're going to be fine. If you know that you're going to be able to figure it out, you will every single time. And it is scary. And you can go through all of those, you know, well, what if I don't do this? What, what, what if this happens? What if this happens? And at the end of the day, I think, you know, maybe once I thought, really, what am I doing? Is this really the smartest thing for me to be doing? But then I knew, I said, I kind of sat there and said, okay, so what's the worst that can happen? The very worst that can happen. Okay. I can not figure it out. Um, I don't get hired and what I go into, I come back and do real estate, no big deal. Or I do real estate down in Florida. No big deal. I'd rather do that probably. Um, 
So it was, it was like worst case scenario is not that big of a deal. There's always a different path, you know? So when you look at it like that, you're just kind of like, okay, let's just do this. And whatever happens, happens, but I'm going to do everything in my power to make it work. And you will, every time you will. And actually, you know what? I will say one other thing. And this is a hard thing, even as an, like, I, I want to say an adult, but you need to do it because you want to do it and not because other people do or don't want you to do it. And, or what you think they're going to think of you. So my parents, you know, they know that I've always been into snakes, obviously. And when I told them that I was moving to Florida to be a Python hunter, they were like, what you're doing? What? And it was kind of like, they were, I love my parents. They were a little embarrassed, I think, to like tell their friends that I'm a Python hunter. And I knew that they would be, it didn't stop me because I've gotten over that part of it, but people always have opinions. They're always going to, and you're always going to have criticism no matter what you do anyways. So, but just make sure that when you do something, you're doing it because you want to do it. Not because somebody else thinks you should or wants you to, or thinks it would be awesome if you did, but it's for you. I have a question. Um, so you mentioned that you faced like, I guess, criticism or opposition in your choice to become a Python hunter. Do you have any like, I guess, um, advice for how to like positively respond to the negative criticism? That's a, that's a great question. I, um, <laughs> well, let's see, I'm trying to be nice about this. Um, you know, I tell people what to do sometimes, but I think it's more, you just kind of take it with some, with grace and just, yep. Okay. I, you have a right to your own opinion. That's great. I don't agree with that. And I'm going to do this anyways, but Hey, I get it. And just kind of be respectful in that kind of way. And I think that when people see that it doesn't affect you, then they start thinking, oh, well, cool. Well, now I'm kind of jealous. I wish I was doing something like that, you know? And that's kind of where it goes. And I will tell you this, um, quick story. When you get haters, you know you're on the right track. So I put a video up of, it was me catching Lake Erie water snakes like 10 years ago. And, and I actually had a inquiry. I was going to do a reality show, which thank God it didn't happen, but that was like way before the pythons. But anyway, so I kept getting all these comments on YouTube that were like, Oh, you're so cool. Oh, this is so awesome. And I thought most people don't even like snakes. How, why are all of these people saying that this is such a great thing? And so then finally this guy, <laughs> this guy, uh, comments and he said, I hope you get bitten by a poisonous snake. Well, they're venomous, first of all. I hope you get bitten by a poisonous snake and you die. And I was like, I got a hater. I was like, yes. And so I, I responded back and I said, I was wondering when I was going to get my first hater smiley face. And he didn't respond to that. But so it's kind of like, and I did there, there, it was fun to get the first hater, but you know, it can kind of wear on you a little bit after a while because not everybody's going to like what you do. You just have to, you know, people get real 
brave online, you know, they're not going to tell you any of this to your face most of the time. So you just have to, sometimes I just feel like I'm not even looking at that or, you know, walk away from it and not let what other people think affect you. You have such an amazing story, Amy. And just, even just the thought when you're, you're just like, well, I was just driving down the road and I saw a 14 footer. So I thought I'm just going to go catch that. I mean, I just can't even fathom that experience. Um, but when you were talking about those stories, what, what I noticed is that you said a, a number of things about the way that you catch the pythons that I think is really fascinating because you said, oh, it's not the macho thing that I tape their mouths. And I was really curious about how I could overpower it. So I did the black bag approach. And, um, and then you also seem to ask for help when you need it. And I just thought, man, that that's so fascinating because in a, in a world where you're, you know, one of 15 women out of these hundred individuals, like, do you think that that has, that mindset has given, has been a strength for you in the way that you've just approached, like catching the pythons and being successful? And do you feel like you've gotten, you know, negative feedback because of the way you do it? Or has that made you stronger and how you go out and, um, and, and attack this problem or maybe other problems? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. So I, uh, <laughs> I think that safety is, is really first and not letting these snakes go. And I know that, you know, it, it can get real ugly real quick out there. So if I, if I need help, I'm going to ask for it. I think that in the beginning, some people, like when I first did the head bag, half the people were like, oh my God, that's such a great idea. And half the people were like, oh, well, I could have done it, you know, without they kind of, and, but I think that because I was confident in it and what I was doing, I think that that really started because a lot of people went out and bought bags, you know? Yeah. So, um, I think that it really is all about the confidence that you have personally and the guys, I will tell you this too. We, we did catch another 14 footer. I was on a 14 footer roll lately. Um, but I was hunting with this guy and it's the first time I'd ever hunted with him. And he usually hunts with some of the other guy hunters, um, super nice kid. So we're on the levee and this, this snake is just stretched across the levee, beautiful. And so he said, Hey, do you mind if I catch it? I was like, no, dude, go for it. You know, do your thing, you catch it. And so he's struggling with it. It's kind of wrapping around his arms. And, you know, so I pulled the tail out a little bit. I'm like, Hey, do you need help? Just let me know. Do you need help? And she was so strong and she was just didn't ever run out of energy. And so I said, I've got tape. We're going to tape her mouth. And he said, no, I said, this is what's happening. So, um, I grabbed her behind the neck. I handed him the tape and I said, just wrap her. And so he's like, okay. And so he wrapped her and then, so we could put her down and she was kind of getting out of energy, but he could let go. And he was like, huh? Yeah. Good idea. You sold me on it. So you know, it's, it's like, you, you got to do what you got to do out in the field to make things easier. And I think that, um, there have been a lot of stories of people that have had to let pythons go or the pythons got away for one reason or another. So whatever we can do to prevent that and I'll, I'll do what I need to do. That's such a strong mindset. And I had one other question, Ariana, is it okay if I ask one more? Um, one other question just around, um, uh, well, I have a lot of questions, but one of them was around <laughs> just, uh, 
limiting beliefs and also advice for other girls who may be wanting to try, you kind of touched on this a little bit about, you know, it has to be something you want to do, but, you know, other girls who might be wanting to try something that's non-traditional or they might be hearing, you know, you know, you don't look like this or you don't look like you should belong in this, whatever the industry is or whatever, whatever the role or the space is. Um, but, you know, it sounds like you always sort of knew you were passionate about snakes and, um, you might, but you might be non-traditional and do you have advice for anyone else who might be feeling like they want to go into something that they don't feel like they, the society thinks that they fit into and, um, what advice would you have for them in that space? So I, I say, I say, do, do what you want to do, do you, do you. And, um, if it's one of those things, if, if they wanted to kind of dabble a little bit, you know, talk to other people in the industry, talk to, to see how it really works or whatever they're doing, find people. Cause there's people that are doing it already. Um, see how it does work. See who's in, in the business, how, how they're running things. Um, if you can volunteer for something or intern for something, or, you know, I don't even know, but if, if you're, if somebody's afraid to take that leap, just like outright, like I, I kind of did, there are ways to kind of ease yourself into that just to see if you, you know, even want to do it. And if it's like what you're looking for, but also it's, it's about, and it's hard. The hardest thing is really, and it's always been to not care what other people think. I mean, you're always going to care what some people think, like, you know, people that are close to you, like your parents or coaches or, you know, teachers or friends. But, um, sometimes you even have to say, Hey, I don't care what you think, because this is what I believe in. This is what I'm going to do. And again, when, like when you have that confidence and you just do it, then people kind of say, okay, even though that's not really a normal thing, that's cool. You know? That's amazing. Wow. I do. I have another question. So when you hunt these pythons and you like jump on top of them, you have so much courage to just do that. Like I, I, I could never do that. I don't know a lot of people who could. Maybe can you just speak to how like you find that courage within you and then maybe extending off of that, like kind of you, lessons you've learned from like having this courage to like catch these giant animals, like this thing in nature that seems kind of impossible, kind of what you've learned from that. Um, yeah, so I... So for me in doing this, it's, it's not about me having courage. I don't feel like, because this is just something that I love to do. It's a challenge for me. The bigger, the better. Let's do this. I'm going to figure this out. So that's how I look at it. And I'm never fearful of it. You know, I've been bitten, you know, it's just, I've been wrapped up, you know, I'm not, they're not going to kill me. Um, so I don't really look at that part as courage. Here's what I found out about myself though, a few years ago is that, so let me back up. So fear is a funny thing and fear will absolutely stop you dying in your tracks, which, you know, fear of what people think, fear of if you're going to fail, like all of these fears, that's the, that's, what's going to stop you. And I just feel like, um, I'm not afraid of snakes. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of like a lot of things that I guess people are afraid of, but when I, am afraid of something, I start making excuses of why I can't do that. Well, I'm not going to do it because blah, 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 blah. And yeah, so I try to justify 
non-action. And I'm like, oh my gosh, wait a minute. It's because I'm scared to do this. So how do we get past this? How am I going to move forward with this? So, so everybody has their own coping mechanism with fear. And I think, and so, you know, fear and courage kind of go hand in hand because it takes courage to overcome your fears, to do what you want to do. And um, so I think that figuring out how you react to fear or what fear looks like to you is really important to move forward. And it might, I, I don't even know, there is one old book called like Feel, Face Your Fear and Do It Anyway or something. I don't even know what it's about. I mean, obviously fear, but I don't even know if there's anything you could read to learn how to figure out how you deal with fear. But I think that's the very first, the first step. Was there another part of the question? Oh my gosh. No, that was perfect. Thank you so okay. much. That was, I, yeah, just tackling your fear and understanding that. Thank you for, for sharing that. So I've got a question, like if you're working all night, how do you balance like seeing your friends if you're asleep when they're awake and just balancing your schedule, especially since your job is not traditional and a lot of people you're around probably are just going to a desk job. So how do you like find that balance? Girl, that is, <laughs> yes. How do I find that balance? Well, it took a minute because my whole life, I woke up at 5.30 or 6.00 went to the gym, went to the office, whatever. And, um, so getting home at three or four in the morning, obviously I have to sleep later. My, I was not okay with that because, you know, if I would sleep till eight, I wasted the whole day. You know, there's, there's no day left. So forget it. I can't believe I slept so late. And so when I, I had to actually allow myself, I had to be okay with sleeping late. I had to give myself permission basically because the first summer, let me tell you how grumpy I was. It was awful. I was a monster. I mean, I just didn't get sleep. I went, I didn't have energy to work out. I didn't have, you know, I mean, the, the people that I hang out with, I've got my neighbors here at the condo that, you know, we hang out, but a lot of my friends are Python hunters now. So we're all kind of on the same schedule anyways. Uh, but finding that, I mean, total upside down for me. And so the first year was terrible. The second, that was the first summer. The second summer was better. Uh, but then I also learned that I need to get blackout blinds and that makes it way easier to sleep. And just anything that I had to take care of regarding the business or whatever, I would just do it before, you know, I left for hunting or sometimes even when I got back, sent out a quick, a few quick emails and then I could sleep. So I didn't feel like I was wasting the whole day, but yeah, it's, you have to learn, you have to do things differently. Sometimes you have to learn new skills, new, get a new mindset sometimes. So there's, there's, was a lot involved with that for sure. I had one question that was um, written down beforehand. Maybe could you kind of explain like a little bit of the process for like searching for the pythons and how you go about that. And like, if you find one, one deer or another, like just how that works. Cause I, I don't know much about that. Sure. So the way that we hunt for pythons in the summer, they're nocturnal, right? So we just, we've got, I've got lights on my truck and we just drive up and down the roads and up and down the levees. So we have keys to some of the levees, um, in different parts of South Florida. And 
they will be sometimes in the water, sometimes on the sides of the levee, sometimes crossing, you know, so we just basically drive um, pretty slow with all of our lights looking for the pythons. And that's how we hunt at night. So I will be honest, 90% of the time, it's really boring because <laughs> you're, you're just driving. But every, every night we see something cool. Um, and not every night we get a python. And let's see, a couple of weeks ago, I got seven in one night you know, which was crazy. Um, but then in the winter, it does go to a day shift, which is nice because it's their breeding season. They're not eating anymore, but they're not out like they are in the summer. So we have to go, we have to take boats and canoes and go to these islands and what I call jungle bust. So basically these islands that nobody's been on, they're spoil islands. So they're not very big. They're like man-made, but they're all covered in jungle. And I mean, we're belly crawling through some of it. I mean, I've got bruises and, you know, cuts and scrapes and everything at the end of one of those days, but that's where they breed. And one day we got nine that were just, one was a 15 footer. I mean, just huge snakes. So um, not everybody does that though. Not everybody. A lot of people just like the driving up and down the levee. I personally like the workout and the challenge and all of that. So so the day hunts are, are way more exciting for me, but, um, but yeah, so that's how we do it. That's amazing. Whoa. I have a question, Amy, you mentioned this huge number in terms of the total pythons that are out there to be caught. And then I noticed then that you sort of reframed your lens and you said, you know, in the midst of that, it's so important for us to even catch just one because that means we're saving 200 animals. Um, like how important is it to keep that narrow focus in mind when you have in front of you what seems like such an insurmountable task in terms of like how quickly they're reproducing and the danger that they're doing to the to the natural, you know, wildlife? Like how how important is it to keep focused on what you've done or what's right in front of you instead of like this huge goal? Or how do you do that some days? Yeah, it can get overwhelming for sure. When you think about how many are actually out there and they're not easy to find, they're, they're camouflaged. They blend into the, I mean, 17 foot snake. I could barely see it when it went back down into the grass, you know, um, but it is 20 years from now, who knows where, where we will be, you know, maybe we will have actually made a huge difference. Maybe we won't, we don't know. Um, for me, it's, I love going out into the swamp to doing it and doing this. A lot of people that do this are snake people. And we enjoy it. We do not like the killing part, but we do love the snakes. And so as long as they're here, there are going to be people that are going to be out there catching them. And so it's more about, it really is more about the day-to-day -day than the overall view. Well, that's a good metaphor for life too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another question I had was, so you share your story through your, uh, your website and all the products you sell and, and also through your YouTube. Like, why do you think, why do you find it's important to like tell people about it and through your art, the articles you do and the interviews and everything, why do you find that's important and what do you think will come out of that? Well, we really do need to create the awareness that, you know, this is a problem because a lot of people, even in Florida, don't even know that this is a problem and we need to have people supporting this because, you know, there's a lot of people that 
say, why are you killing the snakes? That's so terrible. Why can't you do something different with the snakes? Why do you have to kill them? We can't do anything different. We can't put them on a farm. We can't ship them back to Asia because they'll, you know, introduce disease to those pythons. You know, there's just nothing else that we can do. And so it's, um, it's, if the more people that we can get to understand what's going on, the more support I think that we're going to have and what we're doing. And, you know, with the, with the products, you know, I guess I haven't really even talked about that, that, you know, since there is, I've made it my mission to figure out how to use as much of the Python as possible, you know, because I don't want them going to waste. I love pythons and I, I, I mean, they're amazing and I hate that we have to do this, but we do. And if I can find ways to use the Python and not waste it, it makes it a little more justifiable for me. And if we can get that out there and show people, you know, buy Florida Python products instead of Asian Python, because Asian Pythons are actually raised on farms specifically for their skins. So, and these guys have to go. So it just, and it is more expensive to buy a Florida Python because there's so much more that is involved with it than, you know, going out and plucking it off a farm. Uh, so it, it really is, we need to, to get the word out there. And that's why, and education is, is the key. And I love doing, you know, the podcast and the, the news interviews. I will never do a reality show because it is not reality. It is not anything to do with what we actually do out there, but it's about getting the real message out there. Yeah, that's so important. I like education. Okay. Um, do we have any more questions before we go into our last uh, quick fire round? Okay. Okay. So our quick fire questions are just 20 like fun questions where we're going to just say, I'm going to ask them. And just well, the first thing that comes to your mind, you can say oh it is. there's no, there's no pressure and no right answers. Okay. I just, they're, they're fun. There's, it's nothing too like big. Okay. The first one is, do you have any pets? No. Uh, favorite food you've ever had? Um, tortilla wrapped in cheese in a tortilla dipped in sour cream. Favorite color? Blue. Uh, favorite TV show? Friends. <laughs> favorite place you've traveled to? I gotta say Florida in the swamp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cold or warm weather? Warm, warm. What is a weird habit that you picked up over quarantine? Um, I don't know. A weird habit. I'm trying to think of anything even, I don't know. I don't even have anything embarrassing to say. <laughs> I'm sure I do. I gotta skip that one. I'll come. I'll come back to it if I think of it. Okay. Okay. Um, like a skill or a hobby that you picked up over quarantine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, quarantine really didn't. We were still out catching pythons, so we weren't really affected all that much. Wow. But I did binge watch more TV than I usually do, so maybe well, that. that counts. <laughs> maybe like your biggest accomplishment. Um. I got to say catching 17 footer by myself so far. That's probably my most proud. Favorite music artist? Faith Hill. Um, thoughts on chocolate milk? 
I love it. Uh, thoughts on about pineapple on pizza? You know, I was asked this before, only if it's a fruit pizza. Thoughts on mint chocolate chip ice cream? If, yuck. What is a moment when you went, wow? I got to come back to the 17 footer. <laughs> if you were a kitchen utensil, what would you be? A rolling pin. Any specific reason why? No, it just came to my head. <laughs> That's perfect. Favorite way to cook eggs? Um, scrambled with salsa. Favorite item that you've bought this year? So sort of, I bought it. I didn't have to pay it to have it made, but I love my band, my snake band. That's amazing. Those look really awesome. Thanks. Okay, uh, night owl or early bird? Well, this one depending might be. on the season. <laughs> if I had my choice, it would be early bird. Okay. Um, if you could replace the ocean with any liquid, what would it be? Well, probably shouldn't say beer. Um, I don't know. Yeah, then a margarita came to my head. I don't know why. This is probably inappropriate. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> Maybe if you could live any place other than Florida, where would it be? Costa Rica. Okay, and then the last question is like, what is a funny moment that you had when you were hunting pythons? A funny moment when I was hunting. Okay, I was bitten in the booty. Oh. What was that story about? What happened? Yeah, so we had just gotten, we had a seven python day at the islands in the winter, and we brought them all back to Everglades Holiday Park to kind of show people and do some little educational things. And everyone knows if you hold a python by its head, like behind its head, it's not going to bite you. We were all, you know, they were all everywhere and you we were holding them by the tails and stuff like that. And I've got this one. I mean, it was only seven feet, but man, it was feisty and just kept trying to bite me. So I'm kind of holding it out for my body. Well, then all of a sudden, one of the other guys, like his python got away from him. So it's, it's coming right across my path. So I've got my python by the tail. I bend over to get the python in front of me while my hand went kind of back when I bent over and the python bit me in the butt. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so it, it was on video. Somebody got it on video. And there is a picture somebody took as the Python was coming down. And I, my face just looks like, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, it was like this weird picture. And so a little later, this girl came up to me and, you know, as a woman, you never want to have anyone say, um, you have blood on your pants. But she did. And I was like, yeah, I just got bitten by Python. And she's like, oh my God, really? like yeah but thanks for telling me <laughs> so yeah that happened wow that's a crazy story well thank you so much for spending this hour with us it's been absolutely amazing I think you're so everything you do is just amazing and it's just it's fantastic and we're so glad that you could join us um yeah thank you so much thank you guys for having me I think that this is an amazing thing that you do and I'm so happy that I could be a part of it Thanks Thank so much, you. Amy. It was great to meet you. All right. Thank